I'm author Mark Muncy. And I'm author Erica Lance. And this is Eerie Travels. Greetings, travelers. Greetings, travelers. I, it's Friday the 13th, 13th of October. <laughs> yeah, spooky season at its peak. At its peak. I'm super excited. I, I'm super excited because we are basically very close to the middle of the most epic month of the year, which is Halloween season. Yes. Me and you both agree that Halloween should extend all the way to Christmas. Not going to lie, though. It's I was in a Walmart and they've already got Christmas stuff out. I had the Christmas even... stuff out in uh, early October. It was yeah, yeah, no, that's nuts. It's so crazy. Yeah. So we are on Friday the 13th. We have a very special episode. Yes. That transports us in time, but we yeah. it's special for times. A yes, times. a couple times. And it's special for another reason because um our mountain layers were invaded again. Yes, yes, we had a special guest. Uh, because she showed up and we couldn't do anything about it so Uh, yes (laughs) welcome back valerie willis is i i am back yes yes uh the queen of the we had a um we had a little bit homework for you yeah uh for this one uh because we all wanted to talk about i wanted to talk about we all wanted to talk this is a mark thing uh, because I want to talk about one very specific thing that happened with one of my favorite books that later became one of my favorite movies, but it all boils back to one of my favorite entertainment experiences of all time. And you got to listen to that on the drive up. Yes. Yeah. Now, before you comment on it, I just want to point out listeners, we have gotten a lot of feedback on dog, man. We are going to have an episode on that. So yeah. I just want to throw that out there. Cause there have been a rash of sightings and we're getting a lot of emails. We will be doing a dog man episode coming. Soon. We are not ignoring you, but Mark paraded through our, what movies to watch episode with his number one being war of the world. War of the Worlds. So where are we teleporting back to? to We're going to go back before the movie. Oh. But after the book. We're not going all the way back to the book. When did the book come out? Do we know? The uh, book was 1890? 18... 18... Uh, it came out uh, 1898. 18... Okay. In yeah. the U.S. In, well, was... in the U.K. In the U.K. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It yeah. was written between 1895 and 1896. That's what it is. But by the great H.G. Wells. Yeah. So, and I don't care about any of that. So continue but, on with the story. Well, then why did you ask it? Because I figured listeners would want to okay, know what okay, we're talking okay. about. But we're talking about a few years later, 1938. Yep. Another yeah. man named Wells, but the great, late, great Orson Wells. Orson Wells. Had decided to do a radio dramatization for Halloween for his murder. Mercury Theater on the air of the novel. And we need to take everybody back to a time when there was not really television sets. No. There were um, motion pictures, but there were not television sets. And what people tended to do was gather around their radios because people did dramatizations and that's how you got the news and things like that. And And that was the method to learn things. So um, he decides to do this, but there was a twist to doing this, wasn't well, there? he decided to update it. They had already done this. They did it with Dracula. 
uh, some years before. And they decided, well, let's update, you know, War of the Worlds. Well, and he, uh, they came up with a few ideas to do it like a news broadcast of just interrupting regularly scheduled program and all this to make it very dramatic and very compelling. And there was an uproar when Dracula a few years prior, another radio station had done it, another radio company. So he's like, ooh, I'd like that kind of response. Because to be fair, Mercury Theater Radio was not doing well. No. It was the lowest rated show because it was up against the king of the time slot. Remember, you know, this isn't streaming. You couldn't, you had to flip channels to try to find things. And this is on radio, but the king of the time was the Charlie McCarthy Edgar Bergen hour. So the wonderful puppet. Yep. So the best ventriloquist ever on radio. Think about that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh yeah. Um yeah. Was the most popular show on on the radio. Probably a lot easier to perform as a ventriloquist when there is not a camera on you. And to put this into perspective, this is like the age before Netflix and stuff took off. Oh, this is everyone's competing. Netflix there wasn't. Yeah, I was gonna say this. This isn't streaming. No, this is this is broadcast that one. You you got three or four. You three or four radio stations too. This was not you know not like now where there's a country station of a. You had three or four radio stations: ABC, CBS, NBC. So. This was Mercury Theater, and they were doing their show. And now what happened is Charlie McCarthy, Edgar Bergen Show, starts. At the same time, Orson Welles is doing his introduction. And he's doing his, uh, no one would have believed in the early years of the 20th century that human affairs are being watched from the timeless worlds of space. That amazing speech that is just incredible. I still get goosebumps and you yeah. can find this on YouTube, Traveler. So or, or any Spotify, yeah, Spotify and stuff. You can yeah. find um, Orson Welles' War of the Worlds. But yeah. it starts off, he does that intro, but then... It goes to, and he's like, uh, you know, at this point, the Crosby Services, which was CBS, uh, estimated that there were a million people listening in on the radio. And then it cuts to pretending to be a broadcast. Now, 99% of the radio listeners in America are listening to Charlie McCarthy and doing jokes and and things like this. So about the five or 10 minute mark in, people start surfing. What happens is Charlie McCarthy, Edgar Bergen, bring in a singer who is known for singing a few big songs, but they have him sing kind of a controversial number. And now this is the 1930s. And we are just pre-World War II. And this person singing a song in German. And we're already not really liking the Germans because of the stuff they're doing overseas. So what would you do if something's coming on the radio you don't like? You find another station. You find another station. And when you turn your station, suddenly you're hearing about a strange incident in Grover's Mills, New Jersey. And on top of it, what I I notice is okay. First off, when he starts the very beginning, because you get to listen to all of it in its recording, he's very quick with that intro mm-hmm. before he starts that monologue. 
He's like, oh, we're 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 doing a dramatization of this, like less than twenty seconds yeah, long. Yeah, the, the announcer. Be- yeah, which is weird because they used to make a big deal, like a good and it was a starring, such as starring so and so, right? And they would normally list actors and and try to build it up. He didn't do that for this one. No. And so when people were surfing around that five ten ten minute mark. They would land on and they use popular songs oh, yes. for that so, time uh, frame. Right then, so you're hearing that beautiful song, music, and then it's interrupted. Something has crashed at a farm out of you know Rovers Mill, New Jersey, New Jersey. And now this was the New York station that was broadcasting this. So it's and, and um, th- we'll get into the making of this later uh, for the second half after the break. But um, what's incredible at this point is now suddenly their audience has tripled and they don't know this they're broadcasting live they're you know this is going out on the air uh and they'd have no idea and what one of the fun things that goes on right then is this is like the first example of something going viral because word starts spreading everybody's like have you heard what's on the radio have you heard what's on the radio? And they start telling their friends and other family. And this is the early days of the phone. Yeah. So everybody starts getting on the switchboard, calling their aunt, saying something weird in New Jersey. Are you, you're up there. Are you okay? And so all the folks in New Jersey start getting these phone calls, these families that haven't talked to their other family members in ages. ages. And already everybody's kind of paranoid anyway, because weird stuff's going down in Europe and we don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the other strange thing that I noted that they did in it is that within their dramatization, they're acknowledging the interrupted news broadcast that they faked just moments before. Before. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, they start interviewing the farmer of Grover's oh, Mill, and he's like, Yeah, I was watching that that news break, you know, yeah. about the scientists and him seeing the thing on Mars. And Next thing I know, something's crashing in my, you know, bar. just about asleep. I was listening to the radio. And, out of my chair. Yeah, it's so great. The characters in this are so well written and so modern updates of characters from the book. Yep. And and they could have done book translation, something like that. No, he no. went this route oh, and wow. it's immediate and it pulls you in. And even listening to it today. Yeah, and I think the big thing that we haven't said, but we kind of said, is that people thought this was real. People thought, and that's where this this came into play. Yes, because it created a massive panic as it starts to roll. A little overblown from what we've been told historically, but yes, it does create a panic. Uh, And people start calling. Yeah. As people start calling their local stations now they start calling the main station in new york because that's where all these little switchboard ladies are going well nobody's at the local station let's send you to to the new york switchboard um so i guess i was gonna talk about this after the break but we'll talk about it now what had happened that day cbs had put all of their ladies in the answering pool that had the switchboard operators through training to be nicer uh, uh, to people calling them. They had just done this. And so the supervisor was watching them because this was their first primetime night after they'd been told all this. And Was there a problem with them before? Apparently they were just not being nice enough. And CBS was really wanting to promote this 
era of positivity and all this stuff. And what's funny is this one lady answers the phone and she says, uh, well, I'm sorry. I, I don't have that information available. Please call back another time. And the guy went, that's perfect. That's what we want. Don't just hang up on him. What did she want? She said, well, the caller wanted to know if it was the end of the world. I shouldn't be laughing because I bet that caller was losing their app in well, mind. Yes. The other thing I noted, because because these guys had a, a particular pattern that they followed. Like I said, the intro yeah. was so, so stripped that it, it I had to pause it and I replayed it for a second. Yeah. The other thing that threw me is intermission doesn't happen until 40 minutes it's, out yeah. of the yeah, 60 is, minute program. Yeah, which is nuts. Yeah. And it's and it's it's one of those there's a bit like right about this time when they've done, they've got the audience. Now the audience is building. And that is when they're at the, the aliens have landed. The, the, the object has landed in Grover's mill. The men are approaching the object and Carl Phillips, the newscaster is trying to get a little closer. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I'm trying to get closer. There's some men approaching it. Uh, they, you know, there's, there seems to be movement inside, you know, the, the capsule or, you know, and, and all this. And he's like, uh, uh, they, the men are approaching now. They're, they're holding a white flag. Hopefully the, the things inside understand, you know, what that is. And, you know, and, and he's already described them yeah, right le- from the leathery, Yeah, the quivering, quivering lipless mouth. That's right from H.G. Wells' novel. Right. So if you've read the novel, it didn't stand out because, you know, the larger than a bear and held down by Earth's gravity and all this. But then he's like, we're holding up a white flag. Hopefully those creatures understand what that means. And then you hear the sound effect yeah. of the heat ray heating up. And then it hits. And then you hear the screams. And then radio silence. And then and then Carl Phillips is like, ladies and gentlemen, it's 100 yards of our end. And then dead silence. Which was well done. And it lingers. Never done on radio. You don't broadcast dead air. It's just, especially back then, because what's going to happen? People are going to change channels. But Wells held that for almost 10 seconds yeah. of dead silence. And then they're like, we're just going to go back to the music. And then the music starts again. And, and yeah. you're like, we're having some technical difficulties, difficulties with our crew at Grover's Mill. Yeah, and and that's right when the phone calls start, because that's the pan, right? What right. the hell is going on? And then it cuts back, and then suddenly we get the state announcement that there's a state of emergency being declared in Grover's Mills. Martial law has been declared in Princeton and and all this other stuff. Um, Craziness, right? You know, can you imagine them doing that now? Well, I think, you know, the difference is back then, and this is where we and travelers, as you're listening to, absolutely, you should listen to this. Recommended 10 out of 10. And one of the things that I remember that caught me the first time I heard it was imagining sitting in your farmhouse or sitting around your living room um radio because that's what they had back then no somewhat no. staticky the little bit of static going in the background you're used to hearing music yeah. or happy people talking there were dramas but they weren't like dramas as we know it if we went and showed somebody a dramatic movie yeah. from nowadays like no country for old men and went and showed it to people in 1938. They'd lose their effing minds. Uh, like they I, wouldn't we love, understand. We loved our, uh, we love listening to old radio shows. Uh, like my favorite uh, was uh, yours truly Johnny dollar. Uh, the man with the exciting expense account. 
and it's the joke. He's an insurance investigator. And and so every crime that he investigates, you know, these fraud crimes and stuff are, you know, item one, you know, you know, 38 cents, cup of coffee at, at Ma's. And then, and it's literally, he's itemizing his crime investigation. It's amazing. And they would broadcast 10, 15 minute episodes, five nights a week. And then you'd get the big half hour episode. Half hour on the last day, drink some water before Sorry. you joke on air. Yeah. But the thing I think that made the difference with this is this is nothing like, no. and you didn't do breaking news unless no. it was legitimately breaking, breaking news, news. Yes. in the middle of one of these broadcasts. You wouldn't do that. This is a rule that didn't that exist. didn't exist. We didn't have the FCC or anything like that. People were still, there were guidelines. You didn't say naughty words. You didn't do sexual situations. You didn't do gratuitous violence or anything. erica would not have survived during this time period on the radio no you'd have been so bored to tears <laughs> yes uh, but the shadow dispensed justice with his pistols and there was yeah. there was violence and it was and westerns were huge you know that was yeah. that was you know that was the big thing back then westerns and gangsters because yeah but it know. wasn't this level it just oh, wasn't no, and so they I, came I, on and people legitimately thought something had happened and martial law had been declared but, and there was a state of emergency. Yep. It was done very realistic. And they and it was intentional because when you get to the end and he comes back on and he says, by the way, this was No, that's your... that's yeah. That was there's a reason why he did that. We'll okay. get that in a minute. But then suddenly the military are in control of the radio. Radio. And yeah. we're getting and they're actually patching in radio Dispatcher. communications from artillery and all this stuff it's, it's a way his way of bringing in the artilleryman character and some of the military chapters from the books and it's an amazing way to do it oh my gosh you're sucked in and what was cool was some of the code words and stuff that they were using where some of his writing staff were ex-military so they knew how to make it sound very realistic and all they did was transpose a few numbers and so and then you get like the ham radio character you know, 2X2L calling CQ, 2X2L calling CQ, come in, please. You know, and that's, they're the only guys still on the air, you know, at one point. And it's terrifying. And then it cuts back to the guy at Radio 1 and and the fog is closing, the tripods are marching. It's insanity. It's insanity. And it gets to that point again where he's talking about the black smoke that they're releasing and there's bits where people have died already and you hear the smoke yeah. and they, they and the it. gun, the ray gun, the, the heat gun, guns, the, heat gun gun, the, the planes come the planes in and try to in. take it out. And you hear about the pilot deciding to dive kamikaze, on one kamikaze yeah. one and they take one out. And yeah. that was the equivalent of the Thunder Child from the, the book six, taking out yeah. one out of all of them. All we ever got was one. In the book, we only get one. In this, we only get one. It's crazy. And, um, and so we're at this point, one has died, one of the tripods. And but then New York is falling. And we literally hear them destroying New York. And they're doing the fog is coming in and it's killing all the people. And our guy, our reporter on the edge, is talking and he's talking, and it's coming across fifth, it's coming across Broadway, and then starts he starts coughing. coughing and then he... and then you hear the mic drop, literal mic drop moment. And again, again, nothing that they would ever do on a radio. Not silence, but you hear the warning bell, the foghorns, all this, but nothing else for another 10 seconds. Insanity. Nobody would have done that, you know. And at about this time, according to Wells, this is when they first started getting memos 
from some of the calls that they were getting and some of the things that you, you've gone a little too far, guys. Something, something you got to stop. You got to stop. He's saying that's when they got it. Everybody else says they got it like 10 minutes or 20 minutes before. I was going to say they, they brought, care. no, yeah, yeah, they yeah. And, um, and then, um, and then that's the break. Yeah, that's the intermission. Minute mark. I paid attention. I paid attention, Mark. Yeah, but I kind of wonder if at that time the studio came down and was like, "Cut it for a minute," and and they're like, "You need to deep." You've been listening to H. G. Wells at Orson (laughs) Welles in the Mercury Theater presenting H. G. Wells War of the Worlds. Yeah, we will return shortly. And uh, yeah, and it's like, holy crap! This and then there's this perfect storm that was going on behind the scenes nobody knew about we'll talk about that after the break but uh man this that moment in history right there so it it goes they come back from break. we'll talk about what was going on yeah, behind yeah, the scenes but like, they come back from break and now it sounds more like a novel it's actually it's a dramatization it feels like what a normal mercury theater production or any theater production would have been at this would point have been. He's, he's and it's barely 10 minutes long yeah that. yeah yeah he he goes through and he's describing you know he meets the artilleryman who's you know trying to dig a hole and live in the sewers and he's already planning the revolution and all this it's a great bit in the book and it's a great bit in, bit in this but again it's lost that sense of immediacy it's lost that sense of urgency but it's still good and then uh, because Orson Welles, man, you know, he's at his height at this point. He's, he's, and he's still a kid doing this, you know, you know, this is, this is pre-Citizen Kane. This is pre-everything. And um, man, the, you know, the next, you know, then it, it, it wraps up. It wraps up neatly. It wraps yeah. up like the book. He's like, if, you know, that bell at your door is not the Martian. Yeah, he makes it's, a speech. It's he at has, Halloween. Yeah. yeah he, he and, makes a speech. And, he, and he acknowledges that the intent was to be mistooken as a real yeah, radio yeah. We, broadcast. Uh, for Halloween, this was our way of dressing up in a sheet and going boo. And yeah. we totally destroyed New York and the hell and our headquarters. Yeah, and our radio station headquarters. But it's, be, it's, be rest assured both are still intact. Fact, and we'll be open for business tomorrow. You know, and uh, you know, and he's also talks about uh just uh you know, and if you see that face, you know, looking in your window and all that, don't remember remember it's not a Martian, it's just Halloween. Yeah, and it was it's a great speech. Yeah. And they go off the air. Yep. And, and with that, we're gonna go off the air to a break and we will be right back. Eerie Appalachia. Gear up for a frightful jaunt into the darkest reaches of the ancient Appalachians. Folks deep within the Appalachian hollers lean close to the campfire to share stories of the inexplicable with hushed awe. Monsters rumbling in the hills, strange lights darting through the pitch black night sky, horrible occurrences almost ineffable in their bizarre tragedy. Tall tales, you might say. Tell that to the Flatwoods monster in Braxton County, West Virginia, or the Goat Man of Louisville. Look into his humanoid eyes and let him know you don't believe. What of those apparitions in Mammoth Cave's Corpse Rock or the Satan spawn known as the Jersey Devil? How do you respond when confronted by these mysteries? From the metaphysical energy that swirls near Serpent Mound in Ohio to Point Pleasant's Mothman Legacy, Mark Muncy and Carrie Schultz explore the dark history lurking in the shadows of Appalachia. Read by Mark Muncy, author and experts on strange folklore with appearances on shows such as Ancient Aliens, The Curse of Robert the Doll, and many, many more. 
Destiny Beard, the lyrical soprano who will haunt your dreams. With her alluring melodies and intricate harmonies, this dark siren of wistful song shall capture your soul and lead you into the night. Check out Destiny's new single, The Haunting Is Over, with international musicians Sam Haynes and Gary Bennett, as well as her other musical works at destinybeard.com. Okay, we're back. We're back, and no moment of silence mm, there. So. No, yeah. no, no, no black black clouds of no, because yeah. we don't yeah. want you changing the channel. But um, Carrie asked, who's in the background here with all of us, as per usual, um, asked a very interesting question: Was how the hell did they pull off destroying New York on the radio? Yeah, it was those sound effects Foley, were man. Foley work, you know, which was so. What's Foley work? Right, so for listeners that might not know what the hell of Foley you, work have is, have you ever seen uh, behind the scenes footage of the sound guy breaking the celery to make the sound of the, of the leg breaking? Of the leg breaking, or you stepping on coconuts uh, against the thing to make yeah. the horse clopping? That all originated from radio dramatization, and some of that was even stage craft for vaudeville back in the day. You would do these sound effects to make the horse sounds when the, the cardboard horse would come across the stage, mm -hmm. you know, and you do all these things live because that's what you had to do. There weren't digital sound banks. There weren't things like that. Now they did have some recordings, uh, but they would, they would find new ways of like the foghorns was literally a guy with a foghorn, you know, like that. Um, and some of them were noises. They made the cannon sound when they're doing the artillery sound, you're like, fire one. You're the, <laughs> It's like that a was, metal tub. That was a tub of water, water yeah. pushing a plunger through. It's yeah. it's amazing these sound effects that they come up with. And it's um and some of them are still used today, you know. And that was a big thing with the radio dramas. You know, the gunshots were guns firing blanks. Yeah, and uh and and the cow, you know, the bull whips were usually bull whips. Yeah. So yeah. some of these things were what they were, but a lot of things they were, you know, making sounds from what you had available. Yeah. So, so and they, they practice it. And, but it was like a, a South Park, right? They yeah, had it's a six days there. Yeah, there it's basically, and, they, and they'd come up ready. with the concept, they'd write the script, they'd have about three or four days to get the script right. Each They had a repertory company, so everybody knew what characters they could play and what range they had. They'd be like, oh, we need a general here. Oh, I can do that. Oh, yeah, and I'm also playing the lieutenant in this scene, and then I'm playing the news guy in this scene. Yeah, and then we're going to kill him off, so then I can be this guy and stuff like that. Uh, so they all had a group of parts that they did and they were jumping around like crazy. This is old time radio at its best. And yeah, that's what they did. But then there was all this weird stuff happened right before the show, even while they were working on it. Right. Okay. So the guy who's the lead writer, right. Okay. He's writing his version of war of the worlds. And he's the guy who comes up with the idea. He and Orson sit and go, let's, let's make it modern. Let's, let's do it here instead of just doing a Victorian presentation so he is like well where are they gonna land we need to have them destroy new york he literally threw a dart at a map <laughs> and it lands at grover's mills new jersey and <laughs> Perfect. puts that town on the map literally uh and then and then he starts figuring all right well let's use our because like i said some of these guys are military they start figuring well how would they march in you know how would they do this and they well they come in from three ways so that's when they announced the second cylinder and the and the third cylinder. And then they realized Princeton's right there. So let's make our professor from Princeton. Right. And uh, 
And then, so they literally are doing all this and they start figuring out, well, this is how they would, they would tear up the railroad lines. They would tear up communication lines. Yeah. They would shut down telegraph lines. They even, they even, one of the details that I thought was nice was they even made a moment where the reporters like, oh, the officer is arguing with, with the uh, officer won the argument. Yeah. yeah, yeah everyone's yeah. having the backup now. You know, and and just like it, it was very true. Like it almost sounded like they had taken recent reports and kind of inspired that script. Oh yeah, they sure. were. They uh, one of the guys, I guess, listened to the Hindenburg disaster oh, God. over and over, so he That's... could get that for the voice, for the tone, for, for the, the tone. tone. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which was a real disaster. Not yes. a that wasn't a stage dramatization. No, but that's what he used as character research. Yeah, to be the reporter for the oh my god, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, yeah. I, uh, unbelievable sight. And that if you listen to that and then listen to the Hindenburg report, oh the humanity, oh the humanity, it's the same voice, and that's that's how he did it so well and stuff like that. It's so let's transform ourselves into the studios. So they do this, and phone calls start coming in. Yes. Lots of phone, phone calls started again, coming the in. Switchboard ladies had just had that training, so they're just at first they're just trying to dismiss it and being nice, and then they realize, holy crap, what's going? On? And the switchboard gets flooded. Now the reason we know about the switchboard getting flooded, and the reason we know all this stuff is because it becomes news, right? Yeah. This this night it becomes the night that America trembled, which has becomes a movie in the 1950s dramatized dramatizing this night and then it's redone again in the 1970s called the night that panicked america and again it's another dramatization of a, a dramatization, dramatization of a dramatization of a, dramatization of a novel this know? is uh, like many fourth walls we're exactly. like fourth and sixth wall we're and in so that's wall. why it's difficult to try to find out what really happened versus what may have happened because this may have been hollywooded a little bit and what's fun is if you go back to the day after when all this airs and orson wells is forced to come on the air and make an apology well he was, so did more happen in the studio though more did but there's this bit when he's out making his apology for the the film crews you know because this is going to be on the hollywood newsreels and stuff yeah um you see him come out and he says ladies and gentlemen it was just you know we had no idea the reaction. We had no idea at all. And as you, as he's walking away, you see him smiling. Yeah, he knew exactly what his response was going to do too. And then Life Magazine comes out and starts interviewing everybody in New Jersey that said that they were scared of this. Well, guess what happens? Everyone in New Jersey says, "Oh yeah, I was scared." And so they actually have a photo of a guy with a gun saying he was out hunting martians was totally staged no the, the, yeah. this is where with the urban the legend, legend aspect suddenly starts growing one is about a woman who says i'd rather go out the quick this way than be taken by martians and people thought people died that night yes and that this woman but, had taken poison none of that's true but there was there was deaths involved with this dramatization but it wasn't during the original airing no and Ecuador in 1949, they yes. aired it down there and people rioted and killed 10 people in front of the radio station. Because it was poorly translated and 
they were still broadcasting the original American version at, on top of it. So that's when it explodes again. In, oh. you know, and, and, um, and that's why most places were afraid to run this for years. People were afraid to rerun it because it caused such a disaster. Right? So newspaper articles were all over this. Magazines became all over this. It the hit news. the Hollywood newsreel. Yep. So if you want to talk about making the correct impact to bring your station to the forefront, your show to the forefront, it did that in spades. Yeah, and that's when the news crews suddenly realized, wow, you know, all the channels, all the radio channels realized the power of media yeah. and controlling the narrative and controlling propaganda. And this leads right in to World War One or World War Two. And it's and a lot yeah. of these guys during World War One ended up being hired to do exactly what they did for stuff like this. Yeah, for, right. Because yeah, it inspired yeah. it. Because I even um one of my favorite facts about I World just want to point out what gigantic nerds the both of you oh, are. Oh we're history buffs. I, I just I I so Valerie was up here visiting. Of course, she doesn't just invade. Well, she invades, but um, she came up and as she was on her way up, she's like, what are you guys recording? And I'm like, you know, we're going to record this world of the worlds, but you got to listen to this broadcast. And so in my mind, if somebody said that, like Mark goes, hey, Erica, you need to watch Trick or Treat. I go watch Trick or Treat. That is the extent of Erica's involvement right. in that particular request. <laughs> I just want to point that. So instead of, hey, Val, you just need to listen to this broadcast if you're going to come up and you want to be on the show again. Val's like, no, we have to research facts. And this happened, and this happened, and Ruga Like, what the hell? What the hell is going on here? Listen, and one of my World War One facts is Mill Brooks yeah. job was to be over the radio handles and he would he would act he would mislead and misinform the germans that was, he would that put was on world shows war, yeah, yeah world war ii too yeah, that yeah, he did that II. that's yeah. right so so this this moment inspired some of the most interesting es espionage oh, yeah. influences in wartime yeah well, we'll, we'll talk about the magicians of world war ii another time so yes. that was that was good but uh no, um, this really did. It's it's like okay, this is how a war would happen. This is how a war would be broadcast, and the, and so this suddenly there are standards now. Yeah, suddenly we have to announce whenever there is a dramatization that's going to pretend to be other things, but it doesn't happen ever. Nobody does this again till the eighties. Yep. Before anybody even tries to do something like, and this we'll again. talk about the eighties thing again yeah. later. But they, they were convinced that when the nineteen fifty movie came out, the nineteen fifty four movie came out, George Powell, that might cause problems. Even though it was a freaking movie, you had to pay tickets to go see because people were so nervous about this. Well, because the way title. they started doing it was they did it the nineteen fifties movie. What is your favorite War of the Worlds movie, by the way? Which one? Oh, the nineteen fifty four George Powell. Yeah, okay, hundred percent. Okay, the, the new ones have moments but that that's fine i just want to make sure we're in the right yeah, thing because yeah. if you said the tom cruise one i'd probably hate you with this microphone yeah, there, there are moments that are good but that's no, okay uh yeah. we can have travelers get mad at me for saying that but yeah, whatever yeah. but what was interesting even about the 1954 and we think people should watch it we mentioned war of the worlds but i don't think we said the 1954 version i don't think we were very yeah. specific no, I, I, I think i was on the show but we'll be double specific when I mentioned that, that's okay. I'm going to go movie, listen to it because I listened for George Powell or the world. I listened to it today. Yeah. Didn't say that. He said George Powell, but nothing else. But um, 
what's interesting is the way the movie is actually initially done is it starts off almost like a documentary. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, little bit. which doesn't and help. And it does that intro. Yeah, it does the intro. It doesn't help the whole like, no. this isn't really happening. Because again, there wasn't like, hey, we need to look up fake news. This was, it appeared to be news. Yeah. So this the movie like comes out, scares the sense. shit out of everybody. Yeah. Because again, we are also at one of the heights of UFO-ness. And again, uh, some of the characterizations, the monster in that is probably at one of the earliest terrifying things on film. You know, it's because uh, it, it is the first alien alien we'd seen. Everything else was always something like, you know, robot monster where it's in a gorilla suit with a space helmet because they couldn't afford a full gorilla suit. You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so that comes out scary as crap. Then they do it again in 19... 60 70 when did the second one come out the second movie they, war of the worlds they didn't do a they didn't do another one until the the tom cruise one tom right cruise one. Yeah, yeah okay yeah 90s or 2000s early 2000s yeah and uh and it was spielberg so i was like oh this is gonna be great and uh i think the problem is that premise um, was not going to have because you Independence Day came out before that right. movie, which and was an which, incredible version of War of the Worlds. Yeah, it really was kind of a, a War it of was, the Worlds. They even right? kill him with a virus. No yeah. spoilers, but you know. Yeah, but what's interesting about that is that when you, I think a lot of times when you take something that was shocking, yeah. like we we talked about Jaws a little bit. We gave an homage to Jaws on the last when yeah, we were yeah, talking about, about the, movies, the movies, right? Yeah. Honorable mention, but then. What they've done now is other shark movies, but like Meg. So now yeah. it's not just a shark at a beach. Yeah, it's it's a megalodon. Yeah, that's been now breeding and like all the like we're an underwater there, lab. There have been other versions of War of the Worlds since. There are um, BBC did one as a miniseries. Uh, of course, we got to go back to the old kids' book, uh, the Tripod series. Uh, which were take place in a world after War of the Worlds. They did a War of the Worlds TV show in the 80s where it was after the George Powell movie, which was technically a sequel to the original invasion of the radio broadcast. And the radio broadcast gets brought up in tons of pop culture uh, because it was so iconic. And they even brought it up in one of my favorite movies, Buckaroo Banzai. There's a whole plot twist that where the aliens are nesting is in Grover's Mill, New Jersey. And they're all set, filed for Social Security the day after the Orson Welles broadcast, uh, <laughs> and that's how George, uh, how uh, you know, one uh, Goldblum, Jeff Goldblum's character figures out, you know, the thirty days has September, April, October thirty first. Oh, it's Halloween. Wait, nineteen thirty eight. That's Orson Welles. War of the Worlds. It's the day after. Yeah, you know, it's it's just this great bit. Uh, but that's the kind of thing that happens. Is you know, it built such an iconic moment in history and it is to me the best halloween you can have is war of the worlds and, and uh, i i can see that and but i think also when they try to remake it the standards are so much higher with what we need to yeah. shock us back then it was a radio broadcast with breaking news saying an object has landed Oh yeah, like somebody well, says an object has landed we need we need a little more like that yeah. whole vegas uh, object has landed we we're like Show us the ring cameras with yeah. the aliens on them. <laughs> and this is, I mean, honestly, there are, you know, there was my, one of my other fun things to listen to is Jeff Wayne uh, from the Moody Blues 
did a musical version called musical version of war or uh, jeff wayne's musical version of war of the worlds that's a and really long title it's that it is and <laughs> it is an amazing awful. rock opera it was one of the first things to combine rock and classical and it's this incredible two double album set and i love it it's great for long road trips uh and so your wife has banned it my wife has banned it because well the girl <laughs> in it is carrie and uh you know he he gave a love interest to the main character and um they he did... gave your wife to the main character no they gave the, the main character has a name so but i certainly did an audible version of that as a book and it stars michael sheehan from uh good omens and a bunch of other characters they did an audible version of the musical version of war of the worlds based somewhere between the novel and the original and this the is so many walls it's still. so I'm many in... levels it's uh um and then all of that and then my favorite little fun thing we were talking about it on the way here it was a movie called spaced invaders yes i remember that yes where these aliens are parked near mars of a powerful armada and these are the guys they're sent to mars because they're terrible and and nobody cares about these guys they're the, the lowest of the low and they hear the radio broadcast of war of the worlds from a local radio station that's rebroadcasting it for halloween so they decide they hear that earth is being invaded and they want to be part of it so they leave mars and come to earth and get and it's it, halloween it's a halloween it's a kid's movie but it is adorable and uh, uh, i have a, a story about space invaders oh really i i know you didn't know that so and and he didn't folks so um i used to live at the movie theaters mm. like i would go see two three four movies a weekend like just go kind of back to back mostly paid for the tickets hashtag expiration on crimes but um uh i went into spaced invaders right because we went and we were sitting there it was me and a friend that we used to go to the movies all the time and i want to say it was opening night mm. there were maybe 25 people in oh, the yeah, theater it was not a big hit no it wasn't not only that this thing starts have you ever gotten into sort of like a giggle fit or a oh, laughing yeah. fit yeah. when things so this I'm not going to give it away because I actually think, uh, travelers, you should watch it. It, it is, is genuinely hysterical. It is hysterical. And you have to take, you have to put your campy glasses and oh, yeah, yeah, no, jersey no, on. It's, it's, pretend you're 10 years old. Watching yes. It. Yeah. So I start watching it and I forget what happens in the beginning, but I just start, we're laughing. Like we're laughing at all of, it's so bad, but people are getting up and walking out of the theater, not because we're laughing. They are talking about how terrible this movie oh, is no, no, no. and they're getting up and leaving. And we were just rolling because they're, it was eighties. It was it's cheese. Mean, it's so and good. One of the, one of the spaced invaders is like a mini Jack Nicholson. The impersonation of Jack Nicholson. He's the pilot. Oh my God. It's yeah. so good. Yes. And, so and the captain, God, the captain is like a German captain and he's leading yeah. them on the mission. And he leads them out, and there's a road, and he steps out onto the road because they're trying to figure out what this this thing Black is, River is. This Black River is, and he steps out on it, and as soon as he steps out on it, smashed by a semi, like two seconds later, and they're like, oh, yeah, they're, 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 it's a weapon, it's a weapon, and <laughs> and then later on, as the movie progresses, they're like, poor Captain Bipto, but uh, I just remember that line, poor Captain Bipto. But then there's a bit later where they're going out trick or treating. And they're infiltrating with the other trick-or-treaters to try to figure out what's going on in the world. And the mom leans back to them and she goes, 
Now, remember, kids, watch both ways before you cross the street. And they go, if only Captain Bipto had known. (laughs) That's the secret. Yeah, it it is. It's so different. Because also, the way they did this alien thing, these things, you're expecting these ginormous creatures to come out of the spaceship. But they're like two and a half inches tall. It's a classic. I mean, it's definitely, you know, in the vein of time bandits and goonies and all that stuff it's along those lines yeah it's just an unsung classic but yeah so if you want the comedy stylings get space invaders i would say that's a nice old palette cleanser uh, cleanser after um watching the you know hearing the original and i and i feel that a lot of the more recent horror podcasts do take note from this oh yeah um, well this if it wasn't for this we wouldn't have blair witch yeah we wouldn't have paranormal activity we wouldn't have all the pov stuff this yeah. is what uh, started all that alice isn't dead is a yeah. great example where yeah. you feel like you're you're listening in on a trucker's yeah. conversation like she's just got it let let yeah. it off her chest the magnus project some of these other yeah. ones, they all they all took notes from this and scp yeah. so stuff yeah. Um, now for travelers, so we have to ask this: oh. Does um, our little town in New Jersey oh, celebrate yes. this? So let's talk about that. So travelers mill has uh, they have tripods set up around the town, kind of like the Flatwoods monster chairs in Braxton. Uh, so you can actually go to different tripods that are set up by different artists representing their takes on the invasion. Uh, there is a museum in town that you can go to that is the war of the world's museum uh there are a few other kind of little sites there's a restaurant that has you know a war of the world's burger and uh there is a pizza that's called the death ray uh that i highly recommend uh and then uh yeah it's just it's a lot of fun you can also go to uh the uh orson welles tribute place in new in new york where he has at the uh Radio Radio City Music Hall, uh, right? Yeah, uh, I don't think it's a music hall, but they have a Radio Hall of Fame oh. museum, and that's one of the whole exhibits is War of the Worlds stuff, and it, it includes a couple of the machines for making the sounds uh, from that night from the Foley work. So it's pretty cool, and it's got pictures of Orson Welles and all that. But the best thing to do, travelers, is tune in, find it somewhere on online, turn out the lights. And just listen for a little bit to one hour of magic. And then you can follow it up with the 1954 George Powell classic, uh, War of the Worlds. And then a, your palate cleanser is Space, space invaders. invaders. And then listen to Jeff Wayne's musical version of War of the Worlds as you're going to bed. Wow. So uh, we so, have given an entire days of entertainment to our travelers. I think I know I'm spending my October 31st now. So <laughs> I'm not doing that. Um, and, so, then, and then if you really want, Go back and read the damn book. It's great. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. So we will put links to a lot of the stuff we mentioned yep. in the show notes. Um, we need to thank the um, incomparable and annoying <laughs> Valerie Willis for yeah. showing up. You love me. Oh, Yeah, that's not up for debate. Many other things are, but that's not up for debate. So thank you, Mark, for taking us on a journey hey it was fun this was this was a self-indulgent episode gang thanks for sticking with us travelers and but there was a place to go go visit grover's mill new jersey and then you know and gang while you're there just make sure you visit yo-yo dine propulsion systems and uh happy friday the 13th. happy friday the 13th gang and keep watching the skies 
Because remember, intelligences far greater than man's are watching us even now. See you on the other side. Thank you.